Hey guys, Zach here, and before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about a very important survey that we're conducting here at Animalators, and we'd really like you to participate. The survey is anonymous, it won't take too much time, and it will help us learn more about you, no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen to this show. So please take a few minutes and go to gradient.is slash podcast survey and let us know what you think. Again, that's gradient.is slash podcast survey. All right, now on to episode 24 of Animalators. Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 24th episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show, we have LA-based director and stop-motion animator Kirsten Lepore. Kirsten got her start with an MFA from CalArts and has gone on to work with clients like Google, MTV, Facebook, and Nickelodeon. Recently, Kristen wrote and directed the first-ever stop-motion episode of Cartoon Network's hit show Adventure Time. Her films have taken top prizes at South by Southwest, Slamdance, Vimeo Awards, and tons of other festivals. Today on the show, we'll talk a little bit about Kirsten's stop-motion process, burnout and the role of passion in your projects, and gaining perspective on your own work. I'm excited to get into all of this and more on this week's episode of Animalators. Well, Kirsten, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm, I'm pumped to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get into uh, just talking about your work and, and maybe your process a little bit for stop motion and uh, adventure time and, and all this craziness. Um, but I understand that it all started back in fifth grade when your dad gave you a camera. Um, so could you maybe take us back and tell us where it all began? <laughs> Take you back in time. Okay, so uh, around fifth grade, what was I like? I don't know. I guess I was like 10 or 11 or something. Um, my dad um, basically like finally handed over the camcorder I had been begging begging for for so long. Uh, the same one he used to just videotape all of our talent shows and recitals. Um, so he let me have it. Uh, and then I proceeded to just like make a ton of uh, really ridiculous movies with my sisters who were younger than me. Um, and I just like enlisted them to be my actors, um, you know, dress them up for any and every part. Uh, and then just like boss them around basically, uh, to, yeah, to be in these, these silly movies that I was making. Um, and I remember I actually did my first stop motion on that camera. Uh, it was probably about a year after I first started making these movies. And wow. I remember, um, I remember we were supposed to go to the movies and then like it got canceled or we decided not to go, but we'd already bought all the candy. Um, cause my, we always bought, we always bought candy at CVS beforehand because we might, we were, we were too yeah. cheap to buy candy at the movie theater. So we would always just smuggle it in. Um, so I already had this like huge pack of jelly belly jelly beans. Um, and I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I was like, I'll make a stop motion. And so I set up this camcorder, but the only way you could do stop motion was to do this like start stop business where you would like click the red button on and off. Um, and so you get this like super yeah. annoying clicking sound. Um, and it wasn't exactly one frame. It was like a, a little bit of footage too, but I did this whole animation. I like spent all day and I like just made all these jelly beans, like dance around and like turn into people and then morph into other things. Um, and it, it's funny, I still have a copy of it, but like that was my first stop motion and I, I loved it. Like I was so hooked. Um, so I think that led me, you know, years down the line to kind of getting back into stop motion. Um, once I went to college in yeah. Baltimore, um, I went to a school called MICA. Um, and then I, I did sort of, I think my first real stop motion was actually the thesis film I did there. Cause I was doing a lot of 2d, um, and just sort of like trying everything out, like just going nuts and trying out all kinds of, uh, of different mediums and animation. Yeah. So like going into school, what was your motivation? Did you think like, I want to make movies, um, I want to do specifically stop motion or was it just like, I just want to make art? Yeah. So going in, um, I actually came in as an illustration major. Um, I think because I thought that was like more marketable or something. I don't know. I had very like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> narrow views about, uh, I think about art making at that time. And I didn't, I never considered filmmaking as like a career. 
Um, so I went in as an illustration major because I'm a very practical person. Um, and I still did a lot of illustration that I really enjoyed. Um, and I still love illustration. It still like inspires me a lot, um, like other people's um, illustration work. But I took, I think, one animation class in my freshman year at the school. And then after that, I was like, ooh, I think I got to change my major. <laughs> like, this is, this is real fun. Um, so changed my major, you know, totally dedicated myself to animation. And I was so, so about it. I think mainly because I was always like an art kid. So I was always drawing and, you know, doing all kinds of visual stuff. But, um, my fa- I also kind of came from like a musical background as well. Like my mom is a music teacher and my whole family kind of plays all different instruments and stuff. So, um, so I think to combine sort of like the sound and the music and the, and all the drawing and the visual art, uh, was kind of like the perfect package for me, um, where I could do all of that with animation. So that was, I feel like it was kind of my ideal, uh, form of art making. Uh, and then, yeah, I got really into it in college, but, um, but yeah, the first, that, that thesis film was sort of my first stop motion and I did everything wrong, uh, (laughs) because there wasn't, there weren't like, there weren't, there wasn't really a stop motion teacher at the time at the school. There were, it was a really small program. It was actually the, I was the first graduating class at MICA who graduated. It was a new major. So I was the first one to go through that program. Um, and we had like basically two faculty, actually we had three faculty, but like one was all like procedural animation and programming. And I was, I took one of those classes and I was like, meh, not so much for me. And then the other one was like CG. And I was also like, meh, not for me. And then the other one was, um, she did like 2d stuff. Um, so there was really no stop motion. And so it was all just me trying to look up stuff online or like word of mouth. Um, but yeah, I remember like, I, I mean, I don't know if, you know, anyone listening has ever done stop motion, but the way you're supposed to sort of anchor a puppet is, um, you're supposed to like put, it's kind of like a nut and bolt situation where you sort of drill a hole in the set and then there's a nut in the foot of the character and you put a bolt through it and you kind of tighten it from the bottom. So like everything is locked down and it's not going anywhere. That's how you're supposed to do it, which I, I learned years later, but for that film, um, which is a film called sweet dreams, it's got like a cupcake in it. Um, that one, the way I did my tie downs was I just tried to make the characters really lightweight and then their feet were made of like clay. And then I would stick a push pin, like a push pin, like pointing down in the bottom of it. So it was kind of like little <laughs> tiny spikes or whatever, but it would basically, it basically fall over like every other frame. And then I'd have yeah. to try to like reposition it and pick it up. And it was never quite right. And it was just like a nightmare making oh that film. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So you just kind of made that, that was your, your final project was that stop, that first stop motion film? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty much the first one. Um, I mean, I'd done like a test before that and then my Jellybean movie, but, uh, <laughs> besides that, um, yeah, it was kind of like my first, my first full length, uh, like film. Uh, oh, wow. and it was, yeah, it was like 10 minutes. So it was pretty, it was pretty ambitious for like the first one yeah. or whatever, but I think that's kind of how I operate. It's just sort of like, I want to do this idea. I'm just going to go for it. Like, even if I don't really know how, know what I'm doing, um, I, you know, you still kind of just go for it, but I think that's kind of a good way to approach any pro. I think you have to like go in blindly. Cause if you know what you're in for, then you'll like oh, never yeah. do it. Yeah. I think that's also why it's becoming harder and harder for me to make personal films, honestly, like in my life now, because I know what I'm in for. Like I'm less naive <laughs> yeah. about it. And I know like, exactly how much time it's going to take now. And I'm just like, Oh, can I even go there? Like can I even bring, bring myself to do this. It's yeah, it's hard. (laughs) How long did that thesis film take you? That's so long. Yeah, it took, um, it took the full school year. Okay. Um, but it was, that was probably one of the craziest schedules I've ever, I've ever like put myself through. Um, and I, and I had a freak out, uh, like halfway through making that film where I was like, it's not going to happen. Like I remember the one semester I spent writing it and boarding it um, and kind of doing all the pre-production stuff. And then the second semester was all the production and actually making and building everything. And I remember like halfway through, it was like winter break. I'd already like written the whole thing, was ready to go, had all the boards. And then I like totally had a freak out and I was like, this is crazy. This is way too ambitious. This is not going to happen. <laughs> and for like two days, I, I had, I, in my mind had scrapped it and started coming up with this new idea that was way simpler. Uh, that was a totally yeah. different film. And then, um, the only reason I went back to making this film is I got, um, I have a couple stories like that, like for each, for each, like 
big film in my career that I've made, like personal film, there was always like the moment where I was going to quit. And then like someone swooped in and like convinced me. But, but for this one, it was, it was this weird thing where a friend of mine, whose name is Mylin, uh, she, so yeah, I would like committed to making this other film. And I was like, you know, forget this sweet dreams thing. And then like a week later, she calls me like in the morning at like 9am. And I was like, why is she calling me? Like I had just woken up. I was like walking to class or something. And I, and I just listened to her voicemail cause I hadn't picked it up. And her voicemail was just like, Kirsten, call me back. Uh, I need to talk to you. And I was like, Oh crap. What's, what's going on? Like, this sounds really serious. <laughs> um, so I called her back and she's like, so I had this dream last night. <laughs> she's what? Like, yeah, she's like, I had this premonitory dream last night, uh, basically that you need to make this film. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, you know, I'm too much <laughs> of like a believer in these types of things. I was like, I'm, I can't argue with your premonitory dream. So I'm gonna, I'm, I gotta do it, you know. And it was, I think <laughs> I having like that sort of like being, being fenced in. And I was like, okay, I gotta do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make it happen. Um, and I did, and I had, you know, I had to kind of simplify a couple wow. things. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was what the original boards were going to be. And, oh my God, I just pushed myself to the limit. I have a couple of wow. video. I took videos of myself while I was shooting that film. There's actually some, there's like a, there's like a video cut I, I did of like, I took a video each day that I shot and I edited together kind of like a 12 minute version of that. Cause there's like yeah. 45 minutes uh, of footage, but I edited it down to like 12 minutes and it's actually on my Vimeo, like it buried like way, way in the back if anyone wants to watch that. But kind of like <laughs> you can kind of watch my mental state deteriorate as I shoot this film. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, amazing. it was, it was hard. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, and that's interesting too, because it's such a, such a long process. I mean, over, over an entire semester. And then I don't imagine there's just an incredible amount of learning that was happening throughout the process oh, of yeah. making this 10 minute film. Did it like... Mm -hmm. Did it just get faster or would you say like it just got like did you get got better like as the the film progressed because I'm sure you were just like picking up so much information just at making this first giant film. Yeah, for sure. Um and and I, I keep thinking of like one thing that all of my stop motion professors that I had later on at CalArts told me which is like never never start with your first shot of your film <laughs> which is so true and i've yeah. made this i've been, made this mistake several times even though people tell me not to like never start with the first shot because you should start like somewhere in the middle where it doesn't matter like start with like a really inconsequential <laughs> scene start there because you're you got there's like there's a break in period where you have to figure things out and like yeah. you know even even just like getting kind of back on the bike and remembering how to animate kind of like takes a little bit to sort of jog oh, that yeah. Um, so yeah, with this film, um, you know, I didn't have any of that advice. Of course I started at the first shot, <laughs> um, and I, I progressed pr fairly sequentially through that film, um, in, in the way I shot it. So I think you, I mean, I actually, actually haven't watched it from this perspective, but I'm sure you could watch it and see the animation get better toward the end. Um, cause I, yeah, because, it, because I was so new at doing stop motion, like, you know, in doing something that's 10 minutes, you inevitably are going to get way better at animating and kind of like yeah. figuring out all these little tricks and things, um, which I did. I can't think of any like more specific ones, but I, I definitely like would make a lot of mistakes and then just like figure out a better way to build a set or like a better way to anchor things or to do my lighting. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's just a constant learning, learning uh, curve as well. Like even now, like I'm, I'm actually shooting, um, I'm actually shooting like a small personal project right now as well for oh, cool. uh, late night work club. I don't know if, yeah. if, yeah, if you know about that. Um, I definitely do. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. So, so I'm shooting like uh, it's like a short three minute thing, but it's like the first personal film I've made. Oh God. Maybe since, maybe since college, I don't know. Maybe since like CalArts wow. it's been many years. Uh, but yeah, even just getting back into that, like, I'm just like, Oh God, how do I animate? But I kind of feel like that every time I, start any new project like client project or personal project where I'm like I don't remember what I'm doing at all <laughs> but then you 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 know you get back on and you and you sort of remember as it as it oh, goes yeah. on yeah definitely well I feel like there's those those different points of that like fear enters in like just like you were saying it's like you know you start it and it's like oh this is so daunting and then and then you get done with your boards and you're like Oh no, maybe this is too much. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, what what are some ways now that you kind of, um, kind of overcome those little little stages of fear in, in the midst of projects? The fear, it's hard. Um, I teach one class a week at CalArts actually. Oh, cool. Now and I yeah and I and I feel like um like the class I've been teaching the past three years is 
um, is sort of the year long class where the BFA twos make their films. It's like, yeah. it's like their, their sort of mini thesis. So I'm kind of, I sort of see, see them or like, I don't know, help them through the whole process of, of making this film over the course of a year. And I see them go through, this is why it popped me into my head. <laughs> I see them go through this crisis. Like every single one of them go through the same crisis that I went through yeah. and, that I, and that I still go through. And I feel like, you know, it's much easier to like observe others and to notice these problems. But then it's funny because yeah, I'm always like trying to coach them and being like, guys, this is natural. This is what happens. Like you always have a freak out halfway through, uh, you know, and then, and you got to power through it and you got to like trust the, trust the person you were when you came up with this idea a year ago yeah. and, and like, remember why you're excited in this idea. Like, you know, go back, look at your, look at your initial sketches that you made and, um, and try to remember like these first drawings and sketches and writings that like sparked this idea for you. Like try to remember why that was exciting and like revisit all that early material. So like, yeah, yeah all these, like all these little tricks and things that I try to tell them. It's funny because uh, yeah, I mean, most of them will, will, will just change their film idea like a million times, which kind of is frustrating <laughs> as the teacher too. Cause you're just like, God damn it. Just like stick to an idea. <laughs> just make it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but, they, but like, I think everyone, you know, who wants to master their craft and become a better artist, like, you know, wants to make a masterpiece. Like you don't want to spend all this time and then have it be, you know, and have it be just like, oh, whatever, like this isn't that great. Like you want to make it this awesome thing that's going to be your next big thing. But you can't, you know, you can't put that much pressure on yourself. Like you can't, no matter what stage you're at, like you can't be like, I, I'm going to set out to make a masterpiece. Like you just have to, you just got to make the thing that feels right in the moment and you got to stick with it. Because if you have a bunch of half-finished films on a hard drive, that's not doing anyone any good. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, I, I fall into the same trap, even though I'm telling, you know, trying to coach the students. Like I, for Late Night Work Club, we started, uh, I don't know, two years ago or something, or maybe even longer with this edition of Late Night Work Club. And I had this whole like five-minute, six-minute film idea totally boarded. I built almost all the characters and the sets, which I have in my garage collecting dust right now. And then I got the Adventure Time project and then that completely just derailed this other film. This had, this other film had to like <laughs> go on the shelf, you know, for like a year while I worked on Adventure yeah. Time. And then when I went to come back to it, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this done in time. Like this is way too ambitious. And also this is kind of like dealing with, with, you know, personal issues I was having two years ago that I feel I've overcome at this point. So it didn't even feel like relevant to, to me anymore so much. Um, uh, and yeah. then I was like, oh, but I have all this stuff I made. I should really finish it. But I, I pulled a CalArts student and I changed my idea. <laughs> but, but it was okay. You know, it was, it was fine. And I feel like I kind of cut my losses. Um, but mm. I came up with a new idea that I'm really excited about. And then even nice. that one, even that one, I got kind of derailed by work and, was, and then came back to it. And I was like, not going to happen. And then, and then I was, ha this is like literally two weeks ago, I was having this like, crisis like <laughs> like existential crisis of like what do I even want to make what do I even want to do like long term like what are my goals but, like I didn't even I was talking to my fiance about it and I was just like I sound so aimless this is so not me like I, I felt like terrible I was like what's wrong with me uh and he was like you I think you're just not working right now and you need to like make something <laughs> and I was like you're probably right I get crazy like this when I'm not making something um and then I you know I kind of had to like think about it a lot for the next couple of days and I was like you know what the deadline is in like 10 days but like I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna like just be crazy like I did with you know that the sweet dreams film where I was like not gonna happen but I'm gonna make it happen so I was like, I'm just yeah. gonna go into this blindly, uh, and and just try to put fears aside and just like just go for it, like no holds barred. So that's what I'm doing right now with this short film. So even though it's like a crap ton of animation, I'm just like, I don't care. I'm just I'm just gonna try. I'm just gonna <laughs> go for it. I think you have to just blindly like power through to like to like make it happen. Yeah. Is this the one for Late Night Work Club? Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, man. So I'm powering through right now. <laughs> that's so great. And I just realized I just I just talked to a Moth Collective like a couple days ago. Oh, and yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. in there too. Um, yeah, very definitely. cool. And mm -hmm. uh, I just need to make my way through this list because man, there's so many so many talented people on that crew making some amazing. Hit work. up Scott. I think they're always like inter like inducting new members every every time so it's uh yeah, yeah it's really fun it's fun mm. that they kind of change it up and keep adding people 
Yeah, that's that's so cool. So there's so many things uh, I've I've written out some notes, and we'll come back to some of the things you just touched on. Um, but I I want to kind of get into maybe your your time at at Cal Arts then, because mm-hmm. I, I understand you you took some time off from school, and then you decided to go back uh, and and pursue s- some more education. So could you maybe talk a little bit about uh, why you chose to go back to school, and maybe that time in between as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after Micah, um, which was undergrad in Baltimore, I moved back home to New Jersey. Um, and I was back there for about two years. And when I first got out of Micah, um, you know, I wasn't, I'm kind of like going, going in, going down a tangent right now. But, uh, <laughs> when I, when I first got out of Micah, um, interesting story, I like could not get a job anywhere. Uh, like I was applying to all these, um, you know, all these animation studios and kind of more like traditional animation jobs. Cause that's all I sort of knew to apply for. Yeah. I, and, uh, you know, I applied to Leica, which I thought was going to be my dream place. And I, uh, you know, did all these like storyboard tests for and inking tests. And, you know, I was really terrible at all of that, to be honest. <laughs> um, and no one was hiring me. So yeah, I was just like in my parents' house in New Jersey, like twiddling my thumbs, like, what do I do? And then finally, um, I, on, on a recommendation from that professor at MICA, the 2D professor who was a real sweetheart, um, this French woman, Laurence, she's awesome. Uh, she recommended me for this job. It was actually After Effects animation. Um, it was, which I'd never done before. It was this illustrator named Michael Slack, who, who like, is like an illustrator of a bunch of different books or whatever. And he was doing these like web, um, kind of like little web, minute long web promos for his books. So he just needed an After Effects animator to kind of like take his his Photoshop art and just kind of like make it move essentially. Yeah. So uh, so I did like a couple book trailers for him, um, and and it was funny because I took the job. He was like, "Hey, can you do you know? Can you like?" bring this to life and animate this. And I knew it was After Effects animation. And I was like, yeah, sure thing. Even though I'd never done After <laughs> Effects animation. Um, but that's also kind of like a, a work trick that you usually have to pull where it's like, yeah, I totally know how to do this. And then you just like figure out how to do it. Um, but no better way to learn than having a project to, to yeah. you know, to use to learn something. So yeah, I did it in like a week or two. And I like just picked up After Effects really fast because I had to. Um, and now like my after effects knowledge is like completely invaluable to my process. Um, because like on top of, you know, doing a ton of rig removal and cleanup and all that for, for stop motion. Um, yeah, I can just like, you know, I've even, I've done like post for, for like live action work and I've done like, it kind of, I don't know, there's just so much with that program that you can do that it like opens up so many doors. Um, so it, you know, after effects is like super, super useful and helpful, in my process. And I learned it just because of these like silly little book trailers that I did. I shouldn't say silly, but, uh, cause they were like, <laughs> they're like my gateway into the working world. Yeah. Um, and learned so much just from like doing those projects and then kind of just like built up from there and adding after effects to my skill set was, yeah, it was just like great further down the line for all the freelance projects. But anyway, so, okay, I gotta, I gotta reel my tangent back in. <laughs> so no, anyway, it's great. So yeah, I'm at home in New Jersey but I also know, like at this time, I, I know no other animators. Like there are no animators in New Jersey. I have zero support system. I also have like one friend, <laughs> like in addition to my sisters and my family, which is like probably not healthy for like a 20 something at this point, like early 20s. Uh, and I was like, yeah, nothing is happening for me in New Jersey right now. Um, but it was actually my parents uh, I'm very thankful to have super supportive parents. And it was them that they were like, you know, you probably need to move to California, uh, because that's kind of where, yeah, that's kind of like where your, um, you know, where, where all this work is like where all your people are, you know, that's where your, that's where your industry is and you should go to grad school. Uh, and I was just like, uh, okay, maybe I'll, (laughs) I'll apply. And I was very like wishy-washy about it. I was like, well, if I get in then maybe I'll go, you know, I was just, I don't do well with change. <laughs> I know this about myself in life. I'm really not, uh, you know, it, it doesn't flow very naturally to me. Um, so I am a little resistance to that, but I, uh, I applied anyway and I was like, why not? I'll apply to CalArts and UCLA and USC, um, to see if I can get out there because I'm way too much of like a pansy to just like move out to a place where I don't know anybody. I needed like a, like something that was going to help me set up a support system out there, which was part of 
grad school reasons. I also knew that I wanted to teach eventually one day um, and teach college. Um, and so oh, I knew cool. that I, I knew that I needed like a master's degree to do that. And yeah, thankfully, like, you know, a year out of school, I ended up doing that, which was great. Um, so like all these, all these things, you know, having this, having this network of people, you know, being in Southern California, getting the degree, this was all, you know, these were all kind of huge draws for me and also just learning more about my craft. And like, there's a lot of stuff I didn't learn at MICA that I was really aware of that I thought I could hopefully learn at a school that actually had a stop motion kind of specialty. Um, so I applied and I got into CalArts and I was super excited and I went there and yeah, I feel like my whole world changed like completely. Like it's so, it's so weird to think about what my life would have been if I didn't move out here. Like, I feel like it's a completely different life that I have that I love that I'm like so happy in. Um, so I'm just like really happy and thankful to my parents that they pushed me, um, that I'm out here. Um, but yes, coming to CalArts was just like, and, and it's funny cause like most of my friends aren't even in that CalArts network, you know, I mean, yeah. I, ha I have like a couple here and there, but most of my friends are people that I've just met, you, you know, it was kind of like supplementary, like even building off of that platform that a lot of friends that are now in live action and you know, that's how I met my fiance and like, they're all kind of like more live action filmmakers, which I also love. Um, so it was great to kind of even branch out further than animation and meet people kind of like across the board in, in so many different, uh, in so many different like mediums in the filmmaking art form. Um, so that was, you know, it is, and still continues to be great and inspiring for me. That's so great that you're able to kind of find that, I don't know, those, those relationships and those people in, like you said, in those kind of tangential kind of skill sets, because there's so many things involved in, in making animations and, yeah. and you know, wh whether that's illustration, design, uh, even audio and, and music and, and acting. And, and, and it's, mm -hmm. it's incredible, but it's also a bit, you know, can be a bit daunting as well, too. Um, mm -hmm. With that in mind, do you like, do you find that you just try and surround yourself with people who, who are good at those other things or do you try and just collect all these skills over time or like, I don't know what, what was and kind of is your game plan as far as like all of those different skills that are required to be uh, an animator and director? I think that people should catch skills like Pokemon. Boom. <laughs> Sorry. Topical. I've yeah. had Pokemon Go on the brain. Um, yeah, no, I, I think um, I, that was so corny of me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, I think it's I think it's really great to just like, especially when people are in school. Like, I always encourage you know at least the students that I have to like to like learn as much as you can. Like there were like about about any part of this process and every part of this process and even like parts beyond what you think will be applicable. Like hmm. like I, you know, even when I was at MICA, like I took a I took a, a 16 millimeter black and white film class that still informs my process in a oh, way wow. that I never would have imagined. Like it's yeah. it was extremely helpful and you just like don't really know which what things are going to be you know, are going to really influence you or just be like, be this knowledge that's like super helpful to you. Um, yeah. How did that influence you? Like what, what, what aspects of that? Just like general filmmaking or? Yeah. I think like another thing that comes to mind is like even a, even a black and white photography course I took when I studied mm. in Italy. Cause I did a, yeah. I did a study abroad in Florence um, oh, wow. in, in my awesome. undergrad, which was awesome, but I didn't take a single animation class while I was there. I mean, they didn't offer any animation classes, but like <laughs> it was mainly like, you know, fulfilling my art history requirements. Cause you know, of course there was a ton to learn there and, you know, took language classes and then took a photography class. And like that, that class where I learned about, um, where I learned about just like still photography. I mean, that's how I know most of what I can do in stop motion. And that's how I know how a camera works and like yeah. how, how aperture and shutter and, and ISO and like all these and white balance, like that's how I know how all these things, um, you know, make a difference in my shot. Like, like learn, knowing photography is, you know, huge, like the main, the main thing of stop motion, I think yeah. maybe not the main thing, but like one of the main things. Um, so that is kind of where I learned that and then you know going going a step further and and actually having that be moving film um yeah there's just there on top of even just learning the terminology and it's so funny because like when you take a like for anyone that's that hasn't taken or like use like a bolex or like shot film it's so funny when when you actually cut the film by hand like or splice it rather 
and then like put a little piece of tape on it to like put your cuts together. Like we were, it was like true old school filmmaking. And it's also funny just to like do that. And at the same time, just go to like, you know, a linear editing software thing, you know, like premiere or whatever, and just be like, Oh, all this terminology is the same because it came from like the actual analog, like, splicing film or what like you're actually cutting the film and like and like you're even down to like your bin like they call it like the bin where you like put the project files or whatever and it's because you used to have like a big canvas bin next to you where all your film was like hanging out and it's just I don't know like it's just funny to even even go that far back and know like oh this is informing like where the digital stuff is going is like really cool but yeah I just think that you have like a a greater appreciation and understanding for it when, when you can, I don't know, go back and do some of the analog processes or even if it's not analog, just like even learning, even learning like live action, even if it's digital is like very helpful for animation because in live action, like you can just frame up a shot, you know, like you'll learn a lot about composition that way where you're just like, I can point a camera somewhere and I can find a beautiful shot, you know, or find a beautiful photograph. And I think that's like, a a key that a lot of animators are missing. I think that's what I, like, I find that with my students a lot of times where they'll just come in from high school and, you know, they'll, they'll like come in knowing flash or come in like, you know, knowing a lot about how to animate, but they don't have any background in like how to frame anything up or make anything, you know, be, be composed nicely. Um, And I, and that's like just as important as, as your animation skill or whatever, maybe even more important. Um, like for me in my own personal process, I've always found that lighting, um, I mean, I'm still not like the absolute best at composition. I think I have a lot to learn. I think I have a lot to learn in all aspects of filmmaking, but, (laughs) but I think that like, uh, that like lighting first and foremost in my personal films is like the most important thing. Like, I think it's way more important than, than how good my animation is because my animation is not the best. Like I know people that are a million times better than me at animating, but you know, their stuff is not going to, I think like in the context of a full film, if they're not lighting their stuff well, even if their animation is awesome, like no one's going to pay attention because hmm. the lighting is what's giving you like the production value and, and I don't know, just making it look awesome. Like, like you could light like a crappy, I don't know, you could light the crappiest thing. You could light a ball of clay on a stage, <laughs> but if you light it well, it's going to look great. Like it's going to look really appealing and like I would want to watch that. <laughs> If it just like looks yeah. beautiful. Um, so I think things like that are just really undervalued or, I mean, maybe even when people start out in film school, like people aren't thinking about, you know, all these kind of general filmmaking components that you would learn in a live action sense, um, how much that informs animation. Cause animation is just like an extension of, of, you know, what, what live action filmmaking could be like, that's, I don't know, some, some, I mean, unless you're doing like, totally designy. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but (laughs) no, I love (laughs) Um, it. Yeah. I think people have a lot to learn from, yeah. From like live action and and trying it out and, and photography and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, for Mm -hmm. sure. Do you, do you then pull a lot from, do you have any like favorite DPs, like cinematographers, director of photographies that you, you reference a lot in your work then? Oh God, um, I wish, I wish I could just like pull names out of the hat. I'm also, it's funny cause like wh- while I think it's so important, I'm also not a cinephile. Like I'm, I'm not oh, the type yeah. of person that like goes and, and like wants to watch movies all the time. In fact, sometimes people think I'm a real weirdo because sometimes I'm the opposite where I like, it's really hard to make me sit down and watch a movie <laughs> really? generally. Yeah. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten more into movies in the past couple of years. Um, just because of like the influence of friends and, and stuff, but like, before before that, I never wanted to watch a movie. It was really really hard to get me to like sit down and watch one. I think mainly because I'm such a maker that I would rather like this used to be my perspective. Like I would rather spend that hour and a half or two hours making something than to like be passively sitting there. Even though I don't necessarily feel that way anymore. Now I think like this should be a source of inspiration. I just think I didn't know how to appreciate a film in the way that I do now, just that I've learned in the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I'm only, I'm only now really learning, learning the art of appreciation, which is, which is a big thing, like how to actually look at things from like a filmmaking standpoint, instead of just like watching a movie, like yeah. for the, for the plot or whatever. Sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a constant thing. Um, 
don't have any, yeah, don't have any favorite DPs. I wish I did. Even, <laughs> even favorite directors. I don't know who I would name. I'm so bad with like influence questions. I don't really, <laughs> yeah, I'm so bad. Cause like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel, I feel like my influences are mostly, um, the ones that I'm aware of are mostly like very short form stuff. Like, yeah. like, like I could name like a bunch of peers or, you know, or like short videos I've seen on Vimeo. And like, that's what I would name as like, those really inspire me. Like if you go through my Vimeo likes, like those are the pieces that inspire me in some nice. major way. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's like, I, I wouldn't say there's like a, like a long form, you know, live action director or something. That's, yeah. that's really like my, my guy or girl, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Let's go back to, to Cal arts for a bit. And then I, I understand you, you worked on a thesis film there and that eventually, if I'm, if I'm correct, eventually, kind of turned into your opportunity at uh to direct an episode of adventure time um yeah yeah could you take us through that that story sure um so i released um i released move mountain which was my CalArts thesis my grad thesis online um and I actually had like sat on it for a year, which I was doing with my films for a while because of like film festival reasons or whatever. But I, I think this, this was sort of like the, oh, what's that expression with the pudding? This was the something in the pudding. Is this a, an expression? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the, yeah, it was the, the nail in the coffin or the, I don't know. Um, this basically solidified for me why people should just put their films online um, as opposed to like, you know, submitting to film festivals, keeping it private. Uh, and then once it did its festival run, then releasing it online. Cause I feel like I had, I was really fortunate to have a good festival run with my film bottle. Um, but I kind of knew that move mountain, that thesis film wasn't going to have the same kind of mass appeal. It's just a totally different type of film. Yeah. Um, so I knew it wasn't going to have the same kind of mass appeal or like festival appeal that bottle did. And so like, it didn't do, I mean, it did fine in festivals, but it didn't do like as well as bottle did. So, you know, I'm kind of just like sitting around sitting on this, you know, 11 minute thesis film, you know, waiting for the time when I should release it. Uh, and I don't know why I did that. I shouldn't do that because like festivals, <laughs> festivals don't, this is what I'm learning is like. I think now festivals are like hip to the hip to the internet, like hip to the fact that like people need to put their films online because it's part yeah. of their portfolio and like, you know, part of them getting work and getting exposure. And you're going to get way more exposure usually through the internet than you would through any festival. It's just like a numbers game, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, if I had gone back and done it again, I would just put this stuff online immediately. But uh, the benefit of me putting this online is like a week after I put move mountain like i made it public or whatever i got staff pick which was great and wow, then yeah. um i got an email like yeah a week after i released it from adam muto who is a showrunner um he's a showrunner of adventure time wow and was like hey we've been looking to do a stop motion episode for a while um you know we think your sensibilities would really suit the show and we could really see like you know move mountain could have been like a like an 11 minute episode like we, we you know we could really see how you would you know, do a, do a great episode of the show. Uh, and I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like after I was done, like <laughs> hyperventilating, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> like Absolutely. I would love to. Um, and was yeah, so excited to do that. That felt like the biggest still feel kind of feels like the biggest gig I've ever gotten. Um, also cause like, I'm such a fan of adventure time. And even at that time, I didn't even know the show that well. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I just through doing research, which was watching every episode of the show, uh, <laughs> became obsessed with it. Like within the first season, I was just like, this is even better than I imagined. Like the show is the best. It's one of my favorite shows. It's great. Um, so I was so happy to kind of like be a part of that and, and have a hand in this beautiful thing that they've created. Um, it was, I mean, it, yeah, it was like a long process. It took a year. Um, it was, it was kind of low budget for a, for a stop motion production of that length. Um, pretty low budget. And, uh, I, <laughs> and I wrote, um, yeah, it took me like, I don't know, a couple months, I guess, to write it and board it and everything. And those were also the most formal boards that I'd ever done. So yeah. that was also a challenge. I, I'm, I hate boarding. I'm really, I feel like I'm really bad at it. Um, 
but I've also gotten, you know, I got a lot better at it from, from doing it from, for that show, for that episode. So, but you know, it doesn't mean I like it, but I still had to do all of it. <laughs> um, so I had to do, you know, I boarded it. I felt good about it. It's also stressful because I usually do no dialogue for my films. And yeah, I, I was do, wondering about that. Yeah, yeah, I usually don't do dialogue. And all of a sudden I'm like, I got to write jokes. Like, oh gosh, this is so much pressure. Did so you have I, anybody help you with, with the like dialogue writing and joke side or was it all on you? No, I wrote the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, it was like the only writer meeting I had was um, I met up with like when I was in the outline stage, just like actually not even outline stage when I was like in like the basic concept phase. Yeah, I had one meeting with all the writers. So it was just like and, and Penn. So it was like me and Adam and Penn and this guy, Jack Pandarvis, who's writing the show and Kent Osborne, who's the head of story. Am I forgetting anyone? I think that was all of us. Yeah. And it was just like us in, in a room and me just pitching like 10 ideas to them uh, for like what the episode could be. And it was basically just like uh, them like, yay or naying the ideas. Yeah. Um, and I actually think most of them got kind of nayed by, by Penn just because I was going down a road that was like maybe making the characters too self-aware, which he didn't want, which I totally understand. So then I, I kind of like went back to the drawing board and came up with some more ideas and then they were on board with the direction I wanted to go in. Um, and so, but that was it. That was the only writer meeting I had. It was just kind of like, which ideas should I pick? But even, but you know, I was generating the idea and they were just like this one, go for it. (laughs) And then, and then I wrote an outline and then they were just like, sounds good. Keep going. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to write the whole thing now. I'm going to board the whole thing. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I wrote all the dialogue. I wrote all of it. Um, and then came in and like pitched it, which was really, really scary. Um, cause I pitched to like 30 people at Cartoon Network in a room, Wow! but it, but it was extra scary because, um, not only was my first time pitching in that kind of capacity, but the last thing that anyone had seen was one, like it was pretty much just Kent Osborne head of story who saw my outline and, you know, a lot changes from like outline to full boards. Yeah. So that was like the last time anyone saw anything. So I was just like, Oh God, I hope these people like it. Cause it just took me like a month and a half to like do this storyboard. Um, so I pitched it and luckily they loved it and they had really minimal notes, which I was so lucky. Um, you know, that I was so lucky that it, it went that way. Um, so we made our slight changes and then we basically just kind of shopped it around to different studios to see who would, who would handle the production that I would oversee. And, um, you know, for the budget that we had, um, and for everything else, um, Bix Picks was like the perfect fit and they were super excited about it and passionate about it. Um, and they just did like an incredible job. Like they, they, they made it look like it cost four times what it actually costs. Like they, like the people, the people that are working there are a lot of like ex Coraline people and like people that like really know their, their shit. Um, so they, they just like went above and beyond, um, and put a lot of their own, I I doubt they made any money off of that. They just put (laughs) so much of their own time and like love and passion into it. Um, and it would like not be anywhere close to what it is if it weren't for the people at Bix Picks. So how was it you, you now have this giant team of, of like, like real true pros, right. Of, of people who have been doing this. Like, were you, were you at all intimidated by that? Like how, how did that, how did that feel? Like kind of walking into like, wow, I've got this crew and we're making this episode and these people are all amazing. Yeah. I think, I think because in, before that, um, me directing just meant me by myself in a room directing myself, yeah. uh, which, you know, which is obviously very different than having a crew of like 30 people. Um, so yeah, walking into that situation, I think I just didn't, cause I never even have producers. Like I always self-produce things too. So I, was, I think I was just confused about like how it was even going to work. Like, ha- like, lo- like logistically, how does this even work? Yeah. Like that we, that we make this thing and that there are all these moving parts that a producer helps handle or whatever. Um, and we had a great producer, Sarah Serrata on the project that was like on it. Um, and it was such a great experience working, even just like working with a producer, working with everyone, but like having someone every day that like, I think that's why I, I actually didn't feel so stressed out. And just because like all the, all the organizational systems are in place and then, you know, the whole thing is shot listed and we have meetings every morning, big board meetings where you're just like, you're looking at all the shots and then you know, it's mostly like, yeah, the producer that's like, here's how we're breaking up the stages. And I'm just like, great. And then all I, all I have to do is, I mean, you know, there's, 
I was definitely working nonstop and super busy, you know, every hour that I was at Bix Picks, but, um, you know, but it was fun work to me. Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't like I had to be in there animating a ton and like, you know, sweating my whatever's off. Uh, yeah. and then, you know, cause usually that's, that's the case and it's just like so grueling, but it, for me, it was like the fun stuff because I got to go around to each stage and then just direct, like direct the, the animators and be like, here's this scene. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, let's workshop this action. Let's talk about what you think would be right for this character. And like, here's what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? And kind of just like, you know, figure out what, how the animator would want to approach it. Cause each animator is also kind of like an actor in their sense. So like, yeah. it, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was also kind of new for me learning the balance of like, how much do you, you know, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to give a voice actor like a line reading like that. It's usually like a no, no. So it's, you know, yeah. I kind of, I don't want to step on the animator's toes as well. It's like, what, what would come naturally for you to act through this character? Mm. Um, and what am I thinking? And just kind of like meeting in the middle on that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was kind of like a fun, a fun thing to sort of learn, um, and to learn like how to, how to best communicate to my animators so that, Nobody had to do reshoots because reshoots are like a nightmare because they just spent like all day doing a shot. And then for the director to come in and be like, eh, do it again. Like that, that is like the worst. So I think we only had to reshoot like, I don't know, a, a handful of shots, maybe three shots or something. And even then it wasn't anything big. It was very small stuff. Um, we also didn't have the time to do a lot of reshoots because it was a tight schedule. So um, yeah, what was the schedule like on the project? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like I, well, it was five weeks of fabrication. So that was building all the characters and sets. Although there was some fabrication that continued um, after that period, like just sort of rolled out as we needed it while animation started. But animation was only five weeks. Wow. It was it was really crazy for 11, 11 minutes. But we had about four to five stages running simultaneously. So I think that's how we, how we kind of pulled it off. And we had people come in on Saturdays most of the time too. Um, yeah, it was, it was intense. I was also like, I was also, when I wasn't directing was in, in the puppet department, fabricating all those little like woodland creatures or whatever, because also since our budget was low, it was like, okay, the budget is going to handle the fabrication of the main characters, but yeah. then all the other incidentals, like all these little frogs and squirrels and whatever, like that was all on me personally. So wow. all those little guys, like I personally, made oh, no. in the in the workshop with them um but it would be you know but the, i learned so much being in that workshop too because like every every stop motion person does something different and every stop motion studio does does things differently so yeah there, there's so many little tips and tricks that i kind of picked up from that process that that were, is just awesome um yeah and all those people were just fabulous um but yeah just like a bunch of ingenious people um i think once i once i met everyone and you know, within the first week, it didn't feel intimidating. It just felt like everyone was on board and I, I felt, I felt the love and I felt the passion and, um, <laughs> it just felt really good. Like it just felt really good. Cause most of these people were like, you know, we'd all got to lunch and we were buddies and like, we'd all just shoot the shit together too. So it just felt like yeah. working with a bunch of your friends, which was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So post adventure time what what are you up to are you trying to do more television work like what are you looking for like towards in the future um yeah like what what do you got going on now um i i feel like i kind of like work wise i'm kind of a weirdo where i just try to like kind of blow like i'm trying to be like a leaf a leaf in the wind like i'm just like blowing in the wind i'm just like <laughs> where will the next job take me? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm kind of lucky that like, I can kind of, I can kind of do it that way and that I don't have to be super active in like seeking out work that I kind of just like, luckily it's kind of worked out where like things will land when they need to land. Uh, and then I'll just like go with it. Um, so, so for me, I like, I feel like it's harder for me to be like, where do I want, you know, what kind of things do I want to do? Cause I'm just like, oh, I'll see what, I'll see what comes along. And then if I want to do it, I'll say yes or whatever. Um, TV, TV was cool. I, I don't know that I'd want to do like a whole series. I think that would be, I think that would be just too much. Cause even after making one episode of something, like I was just burnt out. Like yeah, it's so taxing. Um, I can't imagine like doing an entire, like, I don't know, like having all those episodes floating around in my brain. Like I could barely handle one. It was, it was, and even that was like an 11 minute. That wasn't even like a half hour. Yeah. Um, wow. so it's, I just don't know how much, how much I could fit in my brain. Um, for, yeah. In, in the same vein, I, I feel like 
a lot of friends around me are starting to get into features and that's like a passion of theirs. But I also kind of feel like, I don't know, features have never really been, it's kind of reflected in the thing I was saying before about like not watching movies, but like features have never really been my passion. So even, even I, I don't even know if I'd want to do a feature ever, like my own feature. Um, I am working on a feature project next year that I'm supposed to animation direct. So that will be like, that oh, should cool. be like all of, yeah, all of 2017. Wow. If everything works out, will be me and an animation directing a feature. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I didn't write it, but it's definitely a project that I'm really passionate about and excited about. And it has some people helming it that I'm huge fans of and think, think will make a great thing. Wow. Um, yeah. So, Very so cool. yeah, so that's, that's exciting. But yeah, as for like making my own feature, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and the same thing with the show. It just like, I, I think I'm bad at commitment too. Like I, I just want, I want like a bunch of appetizers. Like I want to do a bunch of shorts. Like I don't want to commit to an entree. I don't know. <laughs> it just like, this is actually how I order in restaurants too. Like I just always want tapas and I don't want, <laughs> I don't want one of one thing. I just want a little bit of everything. And yeah. that's how I, that's how I approach, um, that's how I approach, you know, my work too. And kind of how I always have wanted to like, after a month or two, I'm sort of like bored with a project and I want to move on to something else. Yeah, well, that and that's interesting. And you also just mentioned burnout. And I think all those things are maybe a little bit related, right? Like kind of keeping that initial passion for the project. And, and these projects that you take on, they, they take so long. And, you know, at the beginning, I think you can get very, um, you know, you're super pumped about the idea and you're super passionate. And then it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, one, I guess, could you give us like a perspective just on like, like how much animation do you get done in a day for people who, who might not uh, understand what it takes to do stop motion? Um, and then and, and then through that, maybe can you talk about, um, yeah, just like staying passionate through that kind of slow process and avoiding burnout? Yeah. I mean, yeah, avoiding burnout is like a separate thing. That's hard. But uh, sometimes you just need to take a break. Yeah. Uh, but um, but yeah, in terms of like how long all the animation takes, it, it varies for stop motion. And there are definitely parts of the process I enjoy more than other parts. Like, I think I love fabricating because you're just kind of like in your element. And it just like brings me back to the days where I'm just like making stuff out of Sculpey or whatever. Like, it's the same kind of concept <laughs> where you're just like, I'm just gonna make a little thing with my hands and like, you're not worried about any pressure of animating or lighting or, or like knocking something over and messing up your shot. Like you're just making stuff and that's always really fun. Um, so that part of the process is really enjoyable. Still takes a while cause you're making everything from scratch or whatever. Um, you know, and, and if it's a complex puppet, like, you know, there's that whole system of like, there's an internal armature that has to move in a certain way and everything's got to be able to be locked down and then you got to, and you got to like cover that armature with something. And if you're going to do silicone, that's just like a nightmare. I mean, I've done all of this, but now I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like so tired of doing that whole process. It's like crazy. Um, and then in terms of actually animating, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like for most animators, you know, depending on how complex the shot is, you might get anywhere from five seconds a day to like, you know, if you're like a superstar at a studio, I, like I've known a couple people that are like they got 20 seconds in a day and that was oh, like wow. a huge that was like a huge deal. Yeah. Um I I'm, I'm very proud to say that last week, I think it was last Friday when I was working on my late night work club film, um I was powering through some I was powering through a shot. It's just like one continuous shot and I don't know how I did it, but I did like 43 seconds in what? one day. Yeah. That's my record. I tweeted about it. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I just did this, but um it was also it's it's a little bit of a trick thing though because the character is not really moving it's kind of just like sitting there talking to you so you know it's i think i think any like capable animator could have done it with that kind of shot so yeah it just it depends on all these factors like how complex is the shot is there are characters walking around because that's going to take you way longer if there's complex action or yeah. are they just like sitting and talking which is way simpler. And, you know, how many characters are there? Like if you put two characters in a room, that's like doubling your workload basically. So, um, but it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit that way with 2d as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, stop motion takes a while. There's, there's the added thing of, um, of kind of like us touching on like the setup where I hate, I hate DPing my own stuff, but I usually end up doing it. So like setting up all the lights and the camera and like, making sure all that is looking, looking great and everything's framed up the way you want it to be. I mean, that takes a considerable amount of time. 
and then like not knocking it over and then <laughs> yeah. not like not like uh, you know not not like bumping a light or having a light bulb burn out or having you know it's so easy to just like bump the bump the tripod just a tiny bit um so we actually it's a studio trick i learned where you hot glue the tripod down once you lock off your shot you hot glue the tripod down to the floor um so right now i got a i got got a tripod in the garage hot glued to the concrete (laughs) yeah so like that's usually how it's done because you just want to keep things like just not moving um yeah and a lot of times i'm like lazy where when i do stuff at home like i won't lock down certain things like in the back of my shot like props and stuff like sometimes i won't secure them uh, and then like, I always knock into the set and then the problem, <laughs> like, I don't know why I don't learn. Like, I'm just, I'm being late. I'm like, this would take two seconds to just secure this thing. And then I don't do it. And then it always bites myself in the butt. Um, but wait, so I should, okay. I should transition out of that. So burnout. <laughs> I mean, th- I feel like my answer to my answer to that is a little bit more bleak where it's just like, <laughs> um, it's like sometimes, I mean, you can try to sort of reignite your passion for a project you know, you can, there's a couple of tricks that I mentioned before about like, yeah, going back to kind of your initial drawings or ideas or writings and sort of, you know, just reminding yourself what made it exciting for, yeah. for you. Um, you know, but sometimes that doesn't, you know, that won't, that feeling doesn't always last forever. And sometimes you're kind of, you just grow and change and evolve as a person naturally when you work on a project for that long, because animation takes so long. Sometimes you just got to kind of suck it up for, for lack of a better, better thing. And just, you have to remember, you have to suck it up in the sense that like, you have to remember that even though you're over it, it's, it exists in your mind and you've played it out in your mind a million times, but unfortunately you don't have like a projector in your eyeballs to show it to other people. So because, (laughs) because you don't have that, like it's fresh to everyone else. No one else has seen this thing. And you have to, and you almost have to like do it for everyone else. You have to be like, okay, I'm kind of over this, but I should make it anyway. I should finish it because I'm halfway through or I'm whatever, you know, and otherwise I've just wasted all this time. Like just make it so that other people can see what's happening in my head right now. Other people can see this vision that I have in my head. And then, and like almost always other people are so excited about the thing you make, even though you're probably not, even when you're done with it. Like almost every one of my personal films, it just took so long, like a year, two years, two and a half years, like just takes so long that like by the end, you almost can't enjoy being done because you're just like a zombie at that point (laughs) that like has barely any passion for this thing that you just spent forever on. But you like, you have to do it because you've told yourself you have to do it. And, and it's hard, like with, with bottle, I remember, especially like I had a really hard time watching the film with an audience. Cause like I made it and then I'd send out to festivals and I would have to like be at the festival and watch it. And I, I, it was just like, it would just make me feel so weird. Like, like watching it, I couldn't, I couldn't see it as like a cohesive film for probably like six months to a year after I made it. Because every time, every time I would watch it before then, I would just see it as like, I would, I'm trying to think of like what a good analogy is, but I would just kind of see it as like a bunch of separate parts that didn't add up to anything. They were just like all, I would just see all these bits, sprawling bits of pieces as opposed to seeing like shots that fit together as a story. Um, and every time I'd watch it, I would just like, I was so close to each shot that I would just remember like what I was feeling that day or like where I was or like, you know, the drive to get there. Like I would remember all these details about it that could just completely took me out of it. I just couldn't be in it. Um, so that, you know, so it was just hard. I think you just need a certain amount of distance. So maybe that's also part of it is just like, you're probably not going to feel great about it even after you make it, but just like (laughs) try to have some distance from it and then you'll appreciate it in the future. Like you'll appreciate it six months to a year down the line and they'll be like, oh, I'm actually proud of myself. I made that thing. I almost quit, but then I made that thing. Um, and it actually turned out pretty good. Like once I had totally fresh eyes again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to get fresh eyes. It takes a while. Well, we, we are coming up on our time, which is a bummer, but um, we try to end each uh, episode with the same few quick sometimes not so quick questions but uh, the first question is who is your dream client there isn't like a specific brand or a company that like pops into mind but i would say a general dream client would be someone that gives me pretty close to total creative freedom <laughs> yeah uh and and lets me like do what i want to do and trusts me because 
I'm supposed to be the professional here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, and I've had some clients that have done that and they've been, they've been dream clients. They've been wonderful. Um, mm. so yeah, I'd say a dream client is like someone that just like lets you do you, like lets you do your thing and trust you. Um, and is also hopefully not, um, also a commercial for a soulless thing, like a product, <laughs> yeah. a product, a product that you hate, you know, <laughs> like it's hopefully also something that is either like a good cause or something that is, someone lets you make your own film. I, I would say like, I really want to do, I really want to get into music videos. So I think a dream project or dream client would just be like a band that I really love, like letting me do a music video for them. Like that wow. would be, yeah. that would, that would be a dream project for me. I was going to say here in Nashville, there are lots of people who want music videos. They might not have any money, but that, you know, yeah, what, you yeah. Know. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, unless it, unless it's like a band that you really love yeah, and there's like, and there's like a budget yeah. there, then yeah. yeah. <laughs> who, who's that band for you? Like who's like the, the it band for Kirsten? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. Um, I have, oh, all, when, every time I get like thrown this out with specific names, I'm like, ah, I don't know. Um, I love, who are some of my favorite artists right now? I mean, I love like James Blake, like anything yes. like James Blake is oh, like my totally my jam. What do, you, what do you think of his new record? Oh, I really like it. It, it all of his records take me a minute to get into, yeah, but I think too. all of all of my favorite things over time that have grown on me are, are like or favorite things over time that have been like my obsessions or are always things that had to grow on me. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely grew on me. Um, yeah, the, some of those some of those songs, uh, mostly the second half of the album, obsessed, love it. Yeah, there's tons of other. Yeah, anyway, sorry, we could talk about James Blake for a while. But yeah, that he's like he's one of my faves. Um, Oh God, I feel like I'd have to like pull up my Spotify right now to like, but yeah, I would <laughs> something love, like that. I would love yeah. to see a, a, a Kirsten Lepore, James Blake music video. Yeah. But that's the other thing is, is like, even people that are my favorite musicians, I don't know that I would do the music, the best music video. For them. I don't know. I but, feel like his, his, like uh, his album artwork, I feel like is very like, I don't know. It's, it's He's got like a hand-drawn thing. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's maybe into it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, All right. Yeah. Ne- next question, your favorite animated film. Favorite animated film. Oh gosh. Um <laughs> I'm probably not going to do an of all time answer because that's too sure. much pressure and I can't yeah, think no, of no, no. what my what my of all time one is, but in recent history I remember really uh, in terms of features, I really enjoyed the Lego movie. I came in not knowing oh. anything about it. And yeah. I thought it was like, I'm like, what the hell is a Lego movie? That sounds dumb. And then I watched it and I was like, brilliant, hilarious. Yep. I cracked up the whole time and it was great. Um, I actually really enjoyed, I, 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 am really the last person to go out to watch like the next CG, you know, animated feature. Like that's never on my, <laughs> on my like top priority list, but I saw Zootopia and thought it was really great yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and then, but that's just like real recent. That's like just recently in my brain. So that came to my brain. Um, and then I, I think my favorite, um, I think my favorite short animation of, Maybe it was of last year at this point in the year. If either of this year or last year, I don't know when it came out, um, is this short called Half Wet by Sophie Kogo Gate that oh. I'm obsessed with. And it's really, really awesome. I saw it at South By. Um, but then, yeah, I've been like watching it a ton since then. But that's kind of like, it's so weird and good. Like, it's just, oh God, it's just like the perfect blend of like, there's really good music. If you like James Blake, you'll probably like this music. That's in it. There's like really good sound design and music. And the characters, it's just like, she just creates like a world. Like, I love when people can create a world that is like, that I've never seen before, that is like really unique to them and like really just this strange world that they imagined. Because I feel like, I feel like that should kind of be the whole point of animation. Like when people, people just keep like recreating the real world. And if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But like, for me, the thing that really gets me going and gets me so excited is when people create these like totally new worlds that no one's ever seen before. Like you make up your physics, you make up whatever, like, like it's all yours and you can because it's animation. Um, and for me, I feel like, because I can, I should, but not everybody feels that way, but I don't know her, this, this, yeah, this short is a great example of like awesome world building where you're just like, yes, just, yes. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm excited to check it out. Oh, it's great. You're going to love it. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, if, what do the people 
you love think that you do for a living? Do you have any good stories of, because sometimes it's hard to explain mm-hmm. what, what we're doing to, to our poor relatives. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What, what, what do they think it is that you, you do all day? Okay. So I, I will say, um, I have a little bit of like, um, an, an extraordinary situation in that my parents or uh, my mom specifically, but both my parents totally get what I do. Yeah. Like they, like not only are they the ones that were like so supportive and pushed me to go to CalArts because they, they know me, they know what I need. They're fabulous. But like they, my mom, I think really prides herself on really being up on like what's going on <laughs> nice. in the animation world. They're like, you know, she'll, she'll like, there are a couple of times where like we'd be watching TV and a commercial would come on and she'd be like, did they do that in flash? And I'd be like, I love you. <laughs> like, You're awesome. Um, I mean, she's not always right, but like she, she tries and she, and she has a pretty good idea. Like, yeah. She still is usually right. You know? Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty fa- fairly well-educated question. Yeah. It's great. It's great. She, she's so, she's so up on it. So she, you know, she has a pretty great idea, I think of like what it is I'm doing all day. But at the same time, I've had probably the same experience of every animator ever where yeah. you talk to another relative that really doesn't get it. And they're just like, you're like, I do animation. They're like, oh, so you work for Disney. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not even close. Um, I mean, that's not how I answer them. I'm a little nicer <laughs> to them. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think, I think it runs the gamut. I think yeah. most people don't don't know, don't get it, especially when it's stop motion. Um, I, I end up, you know, I, I spend a lot of my time, uh, with clients just educating them on like what stop motion is and how you do it and all the parts of the process so that I can explain to them this price tag and like, you know, what, what all, what all these things equate to, uh, and the the amount of time it takes. Yeah. There's just a lot of very naive people where you tell them you get six (laughs) seconds a day and they're just like, what? You know, like they don't, they don't understand (laughs) and you got to walk them through it. And even then they'll never really get it unless they do it themselves. Um, that's kind of what you have to like, what you have to remember. And that's why I feel like I can't be, I can't be mean about it. And I'm actually happy to educate people on the process is it's like, no one's ever gonna, it actually feels kind of good to know that like you do something that like no one's really going to understand unless they do it. Like it's like, it's, it feels kind of special. I feel like it makes it even more special. I kind of like that. All right. Last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator and why? Oh God. Okay. It's, it's a choice between, it's a choice between an elephant and a koala. Um, and uh, maybe, (laughs) okay. Okay. Elephant, elephants are special to me because, uh, like an elephant never forgets. And I just always liked elephants growing up, but then everyone in my later, later years tells me that I look exactly like a koala. Um, I'm also like kind of horny, like a koala and I like, (laughs) and I love snuggling people. I think I'm going to go with the koala. All right. Yeah. That sounds great. Okay, cool. (laughs) Well, Kirsten, thank you so much for coming on animal leaders and, and being so generous with your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. This has been very fun. Animalators is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and created in collaboration between Identity Visuals and Gradient. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out identityvisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. And don't forget to go check out the brand new, just launched website from Gradient, gradient.is. You can also find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. And you can follow us on Twitter at Animalators. Animalators.com is another great website you should check out because there you can see Kirsten's Animalator and all the other incredible Animalators from previous guests who have been on our show. To find out more about Kirsten, head to KirstenLapore.com or follow her on Twitter at KirstenLapore. The theme music to this show was written and produced by Cody Fry. Check out more of his work at CodyFry.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, YouTube, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you're into this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review or drop us a note. We always love getting your feedback, and when you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other animators find this podcast too. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to be back in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators. Curious conversations from the world of animation.